Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James. Super excited to be here with you all today, my friends. We got a dope episode coming at your face. My guest today is Kayla Milady. I'm going to tell you about her in just one second. But y'all, I got something. We got to brag real quick, y'all. We got to brag. I'm really excited about the community that we are building here. Uh, we are in the top 2% of all podcasts right now, according to Listen Notes. That's amazing. I don't know who Listen Notes is, but if they tell me I'm doing well, well, gosh darn it, I'll take it. Because sometimes I can't self-regulate my own happiness and I need to tell other people to tell me how to be happy. Anyway, let's move on from that dark topic. But still, my friends, I just want to thank you. Uh, and if you think somebody else that you know would enjoy this podcast, please point them to one of your favorite episodes. And let's hook them in. Get them in the diner. Another round. More syrup, please. All right, y'all. Let's get to today's episode. My guest today is Kayla Lady. She is a world champion beatboxer. She is also a world champion beat rhymer, world champion loop station boss. She's just incredible. You don't know what beat rhyming is. That's okay. We'll probably do a little bit of it today. And by we, I mean she. But still, uh, I have known Kayla for quite some time. She and I were on the hip-hop improv team that I started in New York called North Coast. And, and she was our beatboxer. And what a gift it was to get to perform with her. Um, and then what a gift it was to be able to call her my friend. Uh, we've grown very close over the years. She's an incredible human being, a dumb amount of talent, a delightfully random brain. Um, her and her partner, Mark Martin, uh, have a beatboxing duo called Lightship. Really, they do all other stuff outside of beatboxing as well. They also run an amazing thing called the Academy of Noise, where they're helping to teach others beatboxing and teach teachers of beatboxing because the community will grow under their tutelage. It's really beautiful. She's also done some incredible work with NYU teaching kids with speech impediments beatboxing because it has been scientifically proven to help. What? We're going to talk about it, y'all. Let's bring her out right now. Enough of me yammering on. Let's bring her out here. <laughs> Kayla, my lady. James, what is up, my friend? Oh, what's up, Kayla? Nothing. I haven't heard your beatboxing in so long. I love your like Instagram videos when I see your sound checking uh, before an awesome talk somewhere, and you're always beatboxing, and it brings me so much joy. You know, you could do the um, check one, two, three, but uh, no, we don't want to do that. No. Uh, and I learned from hanging out with you and other beatboxers to also tell whoever's running the tech to play with some of the levels, right? Yeah. Uh, and we out here, we got to make this voice silky. Exactly. You got to customize it. You know, you got to know what yeah. your voice needs. You got to know what it needs. Like, yeah. How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> you know, watch your mouth. Um, <laughs> I miss those days of uh, of performing live, and I, I know you do as well, but they're, I think they're coming around the corner here. Yeah. I think they're coming around the corner. Fingers crossed. You know, uh, I don't know how much of your, your friends and viewers know, you're kind of like the original quarantine man. You were the original bubble boy. 
I think that was my favorite thing I've ever seen you do on stage uh, yeah. was your bubble boy character. So <laughs> when I was in quarantine, I was like, you know, if James can do it. I can do it too. I, I really took from that scene. It, it right. affected me through this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We never, we never know where some of those scenes are going to come back to help us. Exactly. Uh, many don't, but that one, I think, I think we all need this it. one. It gave me hope yeah. in, in the really tough time of this journey. It gave me hope. That's so funny. Uh, I remember, I don't know what it was. I had listened to, I remember that scene. I had listened to Paul Simon that day. And Paul Simon's one of my favorite artists of all time, which is random. Uh, and he's has this song on Graceland where he sings the boy and the bubble and the baby and the battle and the heart. And I believe. Uh, and I had listened to that album that day. And so I think I just had boy in a bubble in my head and away we went. And away we went. And that's the beauty of improv. You never and, know, you know, and, <laughs> you never know. You never know. You yes. Never know. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Kayla, you and I are both from Long Island, New York. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your, <laughs> hey, 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 you don't know about our bagels, okay? Yeah, you want a good schmear? We got it here. We got a schmear over here, Come to right? Long Island. Uh, actually, yeah, and it's even funnier. Like, you know, I've met other people that are from Long Island, but we actually basically grew up a town away from each other. Yes. Uh, I went to Connectquad and you went to Sayville, which is like two, not even, you know, 10-minute walk. I could have walked to your school. Could have walked. walked to your house. Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe that's where the beatboxing, maybe it's something in the water, you know, who knows? Maybe it is something in the water. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. In that extremely white community's water. Yes. Uh, it's in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's seeped through the ether somehow. Seeped through. Something about the Great South Bay. Uh, it reeks mm -hmm. privilege and beatboxing. Yeah, um, clams, and, uh, <laughs> clams and beats, I guess. Yeah, so clams and beats. We're on to something. I think we're on to something. something. Yeah, that's when we hit, when we grow old and get and retire, we're going to own a beach bar called Clams and Beats, and I'm oh ready for God, it. Oh my God, let's go! <laughs> it would be fire. It's hip hop, Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> yeah. You have to wear a flannel, like a crazy shirt, and you got to beatbox. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it's no funny. stealing that, listeners. No stealing you, that. You, we you trade. Better not. Hey, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. We watch got people. We we can hear what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Who Who would have thought though that uh, two Long Island kids would be here today? So yeah. random, so random for so sure. Random. Forget about it. Forget so, about it. so as a, a proud New Yorker, Kayla, are you a diner enthusiast? Do you enjoy a good diner? Are you kidding me? The airport <laughs> diner was like my place to go back in the day. Yo, um, airport diner. That's where we used to go after musicals to celebrate like, hey, we finished our musical in high school. Go up to the airport diner. That's what I'm saying. Chocolate chip pancake. That's what I used to get. Lots of things with potatoes. Uh, I don't know why. Just always got hash browns on the side. Diners are the real communal place, you know, you sit down, especially a diner is like the only place I could really hold like a party of 50. You know, they would just pull out all the tables. They would just keep human centipeding tables together to fit whatever size party um, and amount of people that you have. And I really appreciate that. I think that that is just something very generous yeah. uh, to create that experience, you know? Most restaurants roll their eyes. Diners are like, all of a sudden, a squadron of people come out of the kitchen and they're moving diners like, whatever it takes, we need the money. Mm -hmm. Blue team six, let's go. <laughs> Like the position. Yeah. I think you make a, a pro move with chocolate chip pancakes. It's just an excellent product. Now, here's the thing with chocolate chip pancakes. I still butter and syrup them. Do you? Uh, do people not? What do you mean? <laughs> yes, people don't do it. The chocolate chip is supposed <laughs> to be the cherry on top of an already buttered and syruped pancake. That's what makes it. It makes it better. We're not supposed to take away in a pancake mm -hmm. experience. We're only supposed to add to it. Yes. You know, that's so just add. Yeah. that's all right. Hey, watch your mouth. All right, people out there, you better watch out. <laughs> I, I have to.
have to say too, you know, so we were um, just quickly talking about, I moved to Denver for a little bit and bagels on Long Island and a bacon, egg and cheese. You cannot mm. get any better than Long Island. No. And when I went to Denver, I went to go get a bagel one day. I literally went back out to my car, opened up the bagel. I could see the bagel bottom still. That's no. how it was nothing. It was a thin veil, a ghost, a, a, a spectrum. Of just, yes, of <laughs> cream cheese. And I went back in and I said, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. Do you, th do you think you could put more cream cheese on it? And they were like, yeah, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. Our bad. We must have messed up. I go back in my car. Nothing. No. I'm talking about like two inches thick cream cheese here in Long Island. Yeah. So much cream cheese that by the time you finish your bagel, you could cream cheese another bagel. <laughs> and that was something that I didn't really know. Like you just you don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah. Um, leaving New York, I really, I really, really felt that. Yeah. There is a spot here in Minneapolis that you can buy a T-shirt in in it. Um, and and the T-shirt has uh, uh, New York crossed out. Montreal crossed out mm -hmm. and then Minneapolis with bagels next to it. And I was like, listen, y'all, this, this is watch your mouth. Indeed. You better watch your mouth. <laughs> you better watch that shirt. No, you don't yeah. bring that shirt up here. No, I'm not. Yeah. It was uh, a solid, a solid six of an experience at a, at a 10. You know, <laughs> so. I, I'll just say, I, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about bagels. I could, I should start I, my yeah. own bagel talk with Kayla, but um, <laughs> I had a really great cultural moment um, of just like being some, somebody from Long Island. Actually, when we did the uh, Improv Amsterdam festival, mm -hmm. when we did with North Coast, uh, we were staying with some amazing hosts. And I was staying with this man named Joachim. And in the one day we're sitting there and he's like, all right, Kayla, Mark, tomorrow you're going to wake up and I'm going to cook you a traditional Dutch breakfast. This is something that our grandmothers, 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 grandmothers have made. You're going to love it, right? And now we had just come from London before this. And if you know what a London breakfast is, it's like, you know, beans and a grilled tomato and a sausage. So I'm like, oh my God, this is going yeah, to be exotic. Yeah. I'm going to have this like new cultural moment that is just going to shock my senses. So I walked downstairs that morning, the smell that is coming from this kitchen. I am like floating <laughs> like the cartoon characters, just like my nose is taking me in this trance. And I close my eyes and he brings it up to me. It smells is incredible, right? And he's like, okay, open your eyes now for this traditional Dutch breakfast, right? And I open up my eyes. James, it was a bacon, egg, and cheese. A bacon, no. egg, and cheese. No. It wasn't a sandwich. It was just two pieces of bread and the <laughs> bacon and the egg was on top. But he was like, this is our traditional breakfast. And now if you're from Long Island or New York, like a bacon, egg, and cheese is how you live. Like America yeah. does not run. Maybe America runs on Duncan, but like <laughs> New York runs on a bacon, egg, and cheese. Yes. And now, so I open my eyes and I'm like, Yohem, oh my God, no, we like, this is our traditional breakfast. And then I remembered New York was once New Amsterdam. And I was like, oh my God, like you brought this to us. And I just had this moment of just so much appreciation and gratitude um, for the Dutch people bringing this bacon, egg and cheese. And it was just such this cultural connection where I was like, wow, this is your traditional breakfast. This is our traditional breakfast. And now I'm here at the source. So I won't talk about bagels anymore, mm. but I just, a tear was really um, coming to my eye in that moment. Where I said, you know, maybe we're not yeah. so different after all. What a beautiful moment. And here's what most people, not, not like, yeah, I'll say most people, I'll stick with that. Here's what most people would do in that travel moment is that they would not make the connection. They wouldn't be like, oh, shoot, there's some history in here. How cool is this? Instead, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we got this where we in the hotel. Like, Mine's better because it's like one on top of the other, not side to side. Yeah. And you could take it to go. No, yeah. 
It's just open face. You got to be open while you're traveling. You know, you got to be open and receptible to life. Amen to that. Amen. Uh, This is going exactly how I wanted it to go. In case you were wondering, just a quick check-in. I'm loving this. And and so (laughs) bagels. Now, now, we talked about chocolate chip pancakes. What's your bagel? What's your dream bagel? Okay. It used to be uh, cinnamon raisin. Oh, my sure. whole life, cinnamon raisin, cinnamon raisin, because that's what my mom got. And, you know, like as kids, we mirror and do what our parents did. And it's oh a delicious God. product. Oh, my. It's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. They still slap. Yeah. It's basically like a dessert, <laughs> but you don't feel guilty about it. You yeah. know what I mean? In the morning. Uh, so it used to be cinnamon raisin. And don't get me wrong. I will still go after a cinnamon raisin every day. I have really since moving into New York City, um, really gone the everything bagel, cream cheese and lox route. Whew. Wow. Ooh. You were like super New York City, like yeah. all the way in. I just put pastrami on it because why not? You know what I mean? Why not? Why not? <laughs> An old half-smoked cigarette bud. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> See, That's... people, like, this is, like, the dangerous thing of, like, this is just you and me talking when we'd be hanging out. Unfortunately, this is this is what we get people. This is it. I mean, that's what, <laughs> that's what we're doing out here. Yeah, yeah. But actually, but actually. Yeah, everything bagels were not on, uh, they, were, they were, like, the the weird thing that like took over the bag whenever they were brought home and like, no, you ruined my cinnamon raisin bagel with all these weird onion flecks and poppy seeds. Yeah. But now, yeah, I've grown to appreciate it. I do the bacon, egg and cheese on an everything bagel. You know, I always go with uh, the Kaiser roll. I always do that, but I should try that. I should try the bagel. It's a full meal. I got to You know, uh, it's interesting. Robo, you have known me since I was like, maybe 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm turning 29 in a, in like two weeks. And I'm doing this. I was thinking this in my head where I was like, you know, I've been getting pretty comfortable in my life lately. You know, I've, I have taken risks, but I've taken risks and then I got comfortable in those risks. So I'm starting this challenge where I'm like, all right, I need to do 30 things before I'm 30 that just scared the life out of me. Yeah. Like I have to just like, cause if I don't do this now, it's going to become this kind of like fixed mindset thing within me that I just identify as a person that is afraid of snakes or like afraid of heights in this way. Um, and I've kind of identified myself as someone who just eats a bacon, egg and cheese on a roll like that. So I think I'm going to have to switch that up. I'm going to, yeah. not only will I do things that scare me, maybe I should just change my, uh, my taste palettes a little bit too. Yeah. And just reach I, out. Who knows? I mean, Kayla, to say I've rocked your world. I mean, you're welcome. All right. I mean, I'm just here. I'm just here breaking <laughs> patterns. I'm rewriting yeah. uh, future history books, right? My I brain mean, is rewired. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. A hearty, a hefty, you're welcome. Uh, yes. <laughs> this uh, 30 before 30 thing is intriguing. You know, some people have travel goals. Like I want to hit this many states before I'm 40 or this many countries before whatnot. But then a lot of my friends also uh, have something like a, a 30 before 30. Now you've chosen ones that that scare you a little bit. I'm curious, what are what are some of the ones that are on the list? I mean, you just mentioned snakes. Are you doing something with snakes or yeah. is that? Um, yeah. I don't know why. Well, snakes was like my first thing. And I'm not somebody that like is very afraid of animals. Um, yeah. Actually, my babysitter growing up had like king cobras and like insane. <laughs> she had like a monkey in her house and really crazy animals. Um, and maybe because I used to do like the, um, <clears throat> you know, the thing where you like try to make your hand move and the king cobra will kind of get hypnotized. Uh-huh. I used to do it until it would get to like just the top of the cage and then I would get scared and run away. So <laughs> okay. I don't know if I gave myself this fear of snakes, but I've actually tried to have snakes on me again in my life and I just freak out I act as if my outside I'm very good at masking it but my inside my heart is racing I have this I don't even know if it's true but I've just told myself this that snakes can smell your fear 
So then sure. even though I'm pretending that I'm not afraid of this thing, I am like freaking out on the inside. So I found this woman in upstate New York who gives snake massages. That's um, incredible. Where it's like th <laughs> like 13 to 30 snakes slithering all over you for an hour. Um, and she doesn't like control it, like wherever the snakes go or where the snakes go. And I saw like, oh, it, oh it's literally making me like skeeve out. My hands are getting all tingly, but um, <laughs> they like go by people's like faces and necks and she doesn't stop them. So like it could be on my face and I just have to lay there for an hour. So that's one. Um, and I am really not looking forward to that one. That's why I'm trying to do it first because I'm like, I have yeah. to start it with a bang and just like get that out of the way. Is that one at, the, I mean, that's, that's gotta be like towards the one that, yeah, like you said, like that's gotta be one of the harder ones on the list, right? You're not like, all right, that's a softball. Let me tell you what I'm doing after that. Yeah. That's first off, who decides to start that business where it's like, man, what the hell am I going to do with all these snakes? <laughs> yeah, Bobby, yeah, yeah. what do I what, what do I do with all these snakes over here? You know what I mean? We're up here in Schenectady. I don't know. There's no place for snakes <laughs> around here. Let's start a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, I'm so grateful because I was literally like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not going to go out into the woods and become a snake right, hunter yeah. over here. Like, I do want some sort of professional with me. So, yeah. you know, it just goes to show that whatever you're passion is or your niche is in life you can creatively make this a business you can you know <laughs> you can support yourself on it who would have thought yeah. with snakes that that would be it incredible incredible yeah. i'm so, curious here what, what are a couple others that are on this list is 30 for 30 yeah so i i don't know why what happened when i first started to fly all the time i mm. was not nervous at all like literally i would be like what are the chances what is yeah. the chance that anything bad is going to happen? And, I, you know, you're someone who travels a lot. As I started getting to, like, you know, being on an airplane, like, 10 to 20 times a month or something like that, all of a sudden, there's something that started to flip in my brain where I was like, my chances are going up. Oh, my God. Like, we're getting to the top of this now. And even though that's a very silly thing, I understand, like, planes are safer than cars. Again, it's not a, it's not a rational fear. There was a point, like, two years ago where if there was one little bounce of turbulence on this plane i would just be like white knuckles into the side like oh, the armchairs no. i would have to sit by the window so i'm like all right your girls got to get over this especially when we go back to traveling a lot um and so i want to go in one of those uh you know small like two pilot just me and the pilot the little the little guy planes yeah um one because maybe there'll be even more turbulence in that because i i know if you're you there know, will the be. smaller the plane you're in the more it bumps <laughs> yeah. around uh so that's definitely something that i want to do is just like go after it get in the pilot and fly around with this guy i know there's a lot of you know like plane places in long island that i can even just go to one day so bayport think, aerodrome right by where we grew up <laughs> yeah i think honestly i think that's the one i'm i'm probably the most nervous about so yeah. we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes Wow, that's incredible. Well, that leads us to our sponsors for this episode, uh, the Bayport Aerodrome <laughs> and Rent Snake Lady in Schenectady. <laughs> Make sure you check them out. Thank you yeah. so much. Sponsored uh, by the Bagel Boss. Uh, <laughs> come on in. Free, free bagels. Bagel, free the Bagel Consortium. Yeah. Uh, you pay for the bagel, the, the schmear is free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely moments where turbulence will certainly get to you. Yes, you will feel it a lot more on those smaller planes. And there's something beautiful about those small planes. So like I definitely, I definitely felt my heart race more on it where it's like, oh, this is, this is different. But yeah, it is, a, it is a rush. But here's the interesting thing, Kayla, is that there are many ways to conquer fears or to put ourselves out there. 
you are basically only choosing the flooding technique. You're just like, nope, we're flo- I'm sitting under a pile of snakes. I'm getting yeah. on a wobbly plane. I am going to stand on a ladder that has some rungs broken. Right? <laughs> like <laughs> you're just, you're just, you're just flooding it. Is that? Is there is there an adrenaline junkie in you that is also competing with the fear person or are you just like live while we're young, die when you're done? You know, I think it I'm sure it's exciting to say the least it, it, as much as I'm afraid of it. It's like at least like I feel like it's more of something that like I conquered this event and I realized with my um, just like learning modality, I am somebody I don't really I'm really um, struggling with math, which is why I also want to get like a math tutor like just get a math tutor for my life right now before I turn 30. Cause I keep on okay. telling myself my whole life that I'm a, I'm bad at math. Right. And my partner, you know, if like a math problems comes up or is there something that we need to do, I'll like put it to him. Like, Oh, this you're better at this. Why don't you double check it or make sure it's good. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, the reason why math has always been really hard was, is I can't imagine something in my mind. Like, it's really hard for me to, like, see numbers in my head and, like, store that information. So my whole life, everything I've been doing and how I got to where I am now was just, like, go out and do it. You know, like, even the idea of, like, battling. Like, get in the ring, do it, and you're going to learn something from it. When I first started beatboxing and performing, it was all street performing. Like, I didn't have venues. And instead of me trying to be, like, how do I strategically get this person to like, how do I market myself in this way and create this flyer that will make somebody hire me? I was like, go out on the street corner and do the thing that I do and let people see me. And that's, I think that's just how my brain kind of does get to the next level. That's how I learn things. I learn through doing and making mistakes more than necessarily like writing things down and planning it. Because when I do that, I can't really see the outcome and I can't necessarily see if I did it or not, if I actually hit that mark, if I put the ball in the goalpost, you know, but mm-hmm. when I just go out and do it, then I'm like, okay, that was really scary. And I'm still scared. So I'm going to go out and do it again. Um, you know, like when I first started street performing, I was scared every day and I hated the experience of it. I would have like fever dreams of the moment where you have to turn the amp on in New York city. And there's like yeah. thousands of people walking by and it, <laughs> it gives the feedback like that, like the sound all of a sudden in the street and everyone's looking at you. And every night before I would go and street perform, I would like try anything to get out of it. Um, it's not like I didn't like street like performing and I did want to be a performer, but like putting myself in street performing was just made me feel really vulnerable. And, uh, you know, as you were mentioning before with like beat rhyming, I was really comfortable beatboxing, but I was scared to death of singing or letting people actually hear my voice. And my mentor, Kid Lucky, who you know, um, he was like, oh, incredible. He was a like a former Marine. So that was his way of teaching somebody. Like I felt like I was in beatboxing boot camp every <laughs> single day with him. And he would put me on a street corner and he'd be like, you can't just beatbox. Like you have to use the words. You have to beat rhyme. Like you need, if I'm going to go get a bottle of water right now, and if I don't hear you saying words, like I'm going to come back and you're going to be in trouble. Um, <laughs> and I had no idea what to say to people. Because also I had up until this moment, I made a vow when I was like 11 years old to never let anybody hear my voice again, which was, you know, interesting now because now I'm not, you know, afraid to go out on a stage and perform or speak in front of people or sing in front of people or do a right. But I truly, when I was like very young, I had probably like the world's worst um, audition 
at least like top 10 in the history of man. I was trying out for my school's show choir, uh, which oh, is like man. the chorus where people dance. Yeah, right. And yeah. I was Great doing colors. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like pretty dope, pretty dope. And before <laughs> the actual audition, I was so prepared for it. I was so ready. Like I did it for my mom and my dog and my stuffed animals. I was like, put me in coach. I'm about to be the captain of the show choir. Like that's not a position. Don't worry. I'm going to come and show you that you need a captain of the show choir right now. And then for some reason, when I went there and I heard the first note of a piano, I just like completely froze like a deer in the headlights. And I started like uncontrollably shaking. And then oh, when I went no. to go sing, it sounded like I was going through like super mega puberty um it was just like i'm sweating like rain on me lady gaga just like buckets coming down and yeah when i went to go sing i had to do the whole audition like can you sing it was like seagull squeaks or like nails on the chalkboard <laughs> when a sound actually came out and like thank goodness kids didn't have iphones then you know what i mean or i probably oh, wouldn't yeah. have lived it down but in that moment it's so silly when you look back you know when you have hindsight and you look back but i'm like wow that moment was so embarrassing for me that I literally made a vow that day. I was like, I don't know what is up there, but I promise no one will ever, ever, ever hear my voice again. <laughs> like I am done with this. And it's really silly. But that one moment when I was in sixth grade, right? It's so funny that you don't really realize like who you become from these moments that maybe you don't even remember because they happen when you're so young. Yeah. But that day I made a decision that I was like, no one's going to hear my voice. And for the next 10 to 12 years, Nobody heard my voice. I was even in a, I had to do cor like choir my senior year of high school and I lip sank every day. And my Are teacher knew, literally like I was lip syncing and my teacher even knew everybody in my, in my class knew, like you just knew you were never going to hear Kayla sing or let her voice. I was so <laughs> embarrassed. And I was just, I, in my head, I was like, if anything comes out, I'm going to sound like uh, uh, the queen of the seagulls. Like that's who I am. <laughs> I decided. And then I, when I met kid, um, after when I was like 19 years old, I met my mentor at like 1920. I went to my first ever beatboxing event and I met my mentor um, and I was sitting down with him. And at this point in my life, I had actually just dropped out of college and my family was like pissed, so mad at me. And I totally <laughs> roll at the red why. carpet for that. <laughs> they were not happy. And then when I told my family what I wanted to do, they were like, okay, you're not going to be a teacher, Kayla. You don't want to be a teacher. And I was like, no. And their eyeballs are twitching. And I was like, guys, don't worry though. What I'm going to do is improv comedy and beatboxing, right? And there <laughs> don't was just worry. Like, like, don't worry. It's going to be really good, right? And I swear, like, I could see this like knife just like, like into my mom's heart. She pulls it out. Kool Aid is like coming out of her. <laughs> They were so not happy. And then they had no idea. They were like, you're going to improve comedy and you're going to bebop. Like what, what is going on? They were ready to call. <laughs> they literally had like the priest on speed dial. They're like, there's yeah. demons in this girl, please. You have to help us get it out. Um, so when I met kid, it was the first time that when I like sat down, we were supposed to actually like perform that day. Cause I went to this event that he was hosting. He was the guy that like set up all the events. And if you wanted to actually be a beatboxer, he was the guy to do it and organize it. So I went to this event. I've never met beatboxers before. This is my first time really meeting like other beatboxers. And it was the first time that like when I walked into a room, um, if I went like <laughs> instead of everyone be like, OK, don't make eye contact and slowly walk away from this woman. This is strange. <laughs> um, I went like <laughs> and people were like, oh, <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. This is exactly where I need to be. Um, and I met kid 
And he asked me, he's like, all right, why don't you come into the city and we'll perform today? Uh, he's like, come tomorrow, right? And so I come into the city. My back was literally broken at this time still. I was wearing a back brace. And um, I come into the city and we end up not performing at all. We end up talking for like 10 hours. And Kid really was like the first person in my life where I was like, he was like, well, what do you want to do? Right. And I was so ashamed at that point, because literally every time I told somebody what I wanted to do at that point, they were hiring the priest to come and like splash holy water on my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Father Patrick was coming over and like giving me the body of Christ to try to and nothing was working. I was still having these thoughts. Right. Yeah. yeah. And crackers are great, though. Oh, they're delicious. I put a little hummus, a little tahini. Yeah. No. Uh, so I go to kid. Right. And he's the first person where I'm like, he's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I, don't know. I was kind of stupid. And he's like, what? Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. it's probably never going to happen. But, uh, you know, it's probably it's not going to work because I'm not like as pretty as this person. I've never even performed before. Nobody. And he's like, all right, stop talking. He's like, just tell me, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I think it'd be really cool if I could do like theater and beatboxing. Like, I think it would just be so cool if I could like act and like push the story forward and, you know, do these sound effects, um, but also do the music at the same time. And I was kind of like ready. I was like, here, here's my phone. The priest is on speed dial. Just call him, right? Uh, I'll, here, I'll call him for you. Don't worry. Yeah, right. Um, but he was like, oh, that's a great idea. You should do that. And I was like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> did I just like hear that right? Like, what are you talking about? I should do it? And he's like, yeah, you should do it. And then the more that I started talking to him, I'm like, explaining about how my, my family is really not happy about this. Nobody in my family has ever dropped out of college before. Like uh, they are all like treating me different now. And they're looking at me in this different yeah. way. And I don't really know what to do. And at this and point, like, they also didn't know that you were going in to meet some random man in New York city who, yeah. who has half of a beard and half of his head shaved. Yeah. Like, no, this is my plan. I'm gonna go hang out with this guy. He's my mentor and yeah. no, everything's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just trust me this is really good right yeah um yeah, i'll show so you a picture of him <laughs> yeah let me show you a picture exactly um no but you know as i'm talking to him i start getting like confidence but it still was like kind of fake confidence where i'm like yeah you know what like maybe maybe i can do this and you know what uh when this doesn't work out like whatever i'll just do this for a while and when it doesn't work out and it all just kind of like blows up in my face whatever i'll just like my plan b is i'll, I'll just go back to school and i'll become a teacher right and Robo, you should like, it was like the heavens just like went on fire. It was like thunder, <laughs> lightning, <laughs> earthquakes, <laughs> right? And kid like pounded his fist on the table and he was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm sitting there now at this apartment in New York City with this person I don't really know. And I'm like, oh God, I just woke the beast. Like, what did, what did I say, right? Hulk smash, yeah. Yeah, Hulk smash. And kid was like, plan B? <laughs> I spit on my plan B. I don't have a plan B. And I was like, okay, sir, that's like truly the dumbest advice I've ever heard. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody has a plan B. What do you mean? And he's like, no, he's like, don't get me wrong. He's like, Kayla, I got plans. He's like, I got a plan A. I got a plan A.2.7. I got a plan A.5,000,000, 46. He's like, I got plans. He's like, but I don't have a plan B. And he said, because I will never, ever, ever let my plan A fail. He's like, I don't care what obstacle comes, what comes in my way. This is what I'm choosing to do. And I'm going to make it happen. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, my God, yeah, why am I already putting all this energy into when I fail? And I'm, before I've even started to do what I wanted to do, I was already thinking about what I'm going to do when it didn't work out. Right. Yeah. And then so that's the whole thing with beat rhyming. Kid was like, he's like, all right, I can teach you. I can teach you beat rhyming. It's when you talk or beatbox at the same time. Right. 
and he's like i can show you that and, and then if you learn beat rhyming you could probably go do theater with it because then you can like act or do stories and talk while you beatbox so robo now i'm like what are you kidding me oh my god like this i'm living on easy street right now like oh my god i got a mentor he's gonna teach me how to beatbox like i'm gonna a year from now i'm gonna be so rich and famous i'm gonna i'm gonna buy the moon I'm going to own the freaking moon up in the sky. You're going to point to it and you're going to say, that's Mount Kayla. That's how in a year from now things are going to be, right? <sighs> Not really, but at least like I was on my path that way. So we start street performing. I'm scared to death yeah. to actually say words because of this vow that I made. Right. And now I have this humans like that's like, oh, this is your this is what you want. This is like your dream. You want this? No problem. Just come on, reach, go, reach and touch it. It's right here. Oh, the only thing is you have to do the thing that you're like literally the most ashamed of, the thing that makes you feel so embarrassed and like you are just like a puddle of mud when you have to do it. So needless to say, every day when I went street performing, it wasn't the beatboxing. If I was just beatboxing on the street, I would feel super comfortable. I've been beatboxing since I was like 10 years old. Yeah. Even if it was like the boots and cats, like that for me wasn't nervous. The second that I had to put Kayla's voice in it, that I wasn't a bass guitar. I wasn't a trumpet. I wasn't a drum set anymore. That scared the living daylights out of me. Mm. And I'm sitting there in a corner and I'm like, what the heck do you say to people in New York City? What, what do I even <laughs> say? So I'm like, hello. What's up, people? It's uh, hot today. Yeah. Sweat is dripping down my back. Like, no idea what to do. Um, But that was the moment, right? Like, even when I was talking to Kid, it was one of those things where I was like, well, Kid, I would love to perform in the city with you, but I, I, I don't have any connections. I don't know anybody in the city. Like, oh, I, that would be really great if I could do that. But hmm, woe is me. I'm just this kid from Long Island and it's never going to work out. I don't have any venues or performers. And that was kind of like a mindset that Kid instilled with me. He's like, oh, poor baby, you don't have any person that's going to put you on stage. Oh, you can't perform. Wrong. Get on the street corner. Go beat rhyme right now. You have four hours of it. <laughs> And that was, was, that a, was that a type of, I guess, discipline, shall we say, that you were or motivation that you were like that you knew that you needed? Like, oh, I need like a sergeant. Was that something you would have said you needed before or no. but it, but that but it worked for you? Oh, my God, I needed it. And, you know, it's really interesting because it could have just been our like gender dynamic as well, because yeah. kid had this. um um, what would you say like reputation where like he didn't necessarily get along with all the guy beatboxers. They respected mm -hmm. him, but his kind of military way of being with the guys in our community i think it was kind of like an alpha thing where mm. like kid was the alpha and he wanted to be the alpha in these situations and i think that it really rubbed people the wrong way like other guys or like this but for me like if he was being that way i didn't feel like my necessarily like pride was on the line or anything and also that's what i needed because before this robo like when i was even when I met you, like I didn't have my stuff together. I would double book myself. I would like, I couldn't figure out. You lost your phone a lot. I lost my phone so much. <laughs> I like, didn't understand how you, how you made it through life. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I was not a disciplined person at all. You yeah. know, like I would, before this, I would work someplace and work really, really hard. Like I worked at a flower shop and I would be like doing everything every day. And then one day I would just wake up and decide, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just wouldn't even quit. I would just not show up the next day. Like, that's how I lived my life. Yeah. And then I had this person kid, right? And I'm telling you, like, before these nights that I had to go street perform, I would literally, instead of using this time to prepare and get ready, maybe think of some songs to do, I would be like, how do I get in the most minor car accident tomorrow? Like, nothing major. <laughs> like, how do I just get in a fender bender? Or I would go in my kitchen and, like, look at the garbage and be like, 
much of the garbage trash do I have to eat so that I can get food poisoning? <laughs> but I knew that like kid would not let me get out of this. Right. So if I did, I think if I didn't have him and he really instilled this discipline in me and like, you say you're going to do something, you have to do it. You have to do it. Yeah. Um, and if well, I did, didn't go, it would yeah. have been a bad day. Right. Yeah. I mean, you didn't help yourself. I mean, you introduced yourself to him wearing a back brace with a bo- broken back, right? And that, that's a story that I know uh, he always used to love to, to tell about you is that there was something about this badass woman who was coming up to me and is like out here at this at this show or whatnot with a broken back and like still doing it. Yeah. Right. There's like, it's like he already saw the, he could already see the glimmer of tenacity inside of you that you couldn't. Yeah. He would say like, he would get phone calls from like other people being like, <coughs> I'm sorry, my, <coughs> my throat's a little hurt today. I can't beatbox. And then I'm coming literally with like a, a as a robot, like <laughs> <laughs> give me the microphone. Yeah. You know, but I think um like he is such a blessing in my life and you know, I think it's always great. It's really important to tell people where you come from and who've influenced me and or who influenced you. And like his, his chapter in my life made, it wasn't even like a new chapter. Like I started writing a new book after I met him and everything Mm -hmm. changed after that. Because I also just realized, like, I started to realize, like, even though I never had performance, um, you know, I didn't do like the plays in school. I did like a drama class where we just did improv all day, which is how Mm -hmm. I got my love for improv. But I never was like in an actual play. I never really like performed for people. And I really had like imposter syndrome, even when I was younger, like didn't know what it was. But I just was like, why would I this this girl from Long Island, like random me? Why do I deserve to have a life like this? Like, it's not it's not going to work out for me. Like everybody wants a life like this. So why would I be, um, you know, I was thinking at that point that only a few people got to go through the gateway, right? Mm-hmm. Not that it's, there's no gateway. It's just open field and you just cross the line whenever you want. Right. I was thinking like, there's a thousand people trying to get through this door frame, And how am I going to be the one that gets through over other people? Now I don't believe that right now. It's like opportunity is there. And it's, if we dare to cross and walk through it um, and there's going to be Hills, it's going to rain on you. Right. It's going to start hailing your tent's going to break it's that whole like plan a mentality that I really think was the best thing with kid um, that he really told me, like, if so, if you want something, don't let plan a fail. And there was multiple times within my own career, um, you know, being a woman in my scene and coming in and doing this beat rhyming stuff when I would beatbox battle and battle people, um, all these guys would be going really fa- like crazy. <laughs> Right. And then I would come in and just be like, like doing more just stuff of like control and almost like jazzy. And I would sing and beatbox and do these stories. And at this point, um, everyone would be like singing and beatboxing to spit on that. That's not real beatboxing. (laughs) It's not a singing competition. It's a beatboxing competition. Right. But then as guys started doing it, now if you go online and you watch beatboxing videos, literally everybody is singing and they're making full songs, which is great because that's what's going to help beatboxing go to the next level. And us, instead of it being like the party trick, we're like real artists creating our own music. But when I first started doing that, people hated it, did not like it. I also think, you know, when I was just a woman in the scene, people really supported me. But then as mm-hmm. I started battling and winning battles, it was like every time I won something, the axes and the knives were getting thrown at me more. And sure. it got to the point where like literally everybody in the whole world was just talking smack about me to the point where there had to be articles written in the beatboxing community that was literally like, stop the Kayla hate. 
Like this is just like a oh, bandwagon. Yeah. yeah, like bandwagon. Like literally I was hated on for like two years when I was just yeah. beatboxing and I was doing everything I was doing. Everyone loved it. As soon as I started battling um, and actually progressing, then all of a sudden people didn't like it anymore. Right. I don't think they liked it made them feel like, oh, no, we don't want to lose to this girl in the scene yeah. because at my first battle that I did um when i beat i didn't win the whole thing but i i got to move ahead one round right only 16 mm -hmm. people in the whole country get to battle and it's really funny because like it's just funny people's mindsets or like not even funny <laughs> it's just like i don't understand the logic behind things like yeah. you know in, in a beatbox battle people are in every other country in the world um at this point back in like 2002 2013 i mean 2002 i was like i don't even know how old then 2012 <laughs> and 2013 um you know america was the only country if not one of the only countries in the whole world that let men and women battle together so mm. all the other countries there was a men's category which probably had like 80 people going after it and then a female category where maybe there was two girls and every year those two girls just had to keep battling each other yeah. So they weren't getting any better and they're not actually sparring with the rest of the community. So there's a lot of issues with that. Right. And now I'm here in the U S I have this opportunity and, you know, I was already taking all these risks in my life with like street performing and like just getting comfortable being uncomfortable and doing things that were making me feel nervous yeah. and also like not listening to my own thoughts. Like I think the thing that really helped me with street performing was like, I got comfortable being uncomfortable. I got comfortable with like my hands being sweaty and my brain telling me like, this is terrible. This is so embarrassing. Oh my God, the mayor of New York is going to be here and he's going to ban you from the city. Like all just the most ridiculous things, right? Because that's what our brain does. Our brain is built to protect us and keep us comfortable and keep us safe and keep us alive. So as soon as we start doing things that are don't feel comfortable, safe, uh, or feel like a risk, our brain will start, you know, telling us things to try to get out of that. Mm -hmm. So luckily with street performing, I was feeling that every day. Um, and I would basically have to stay in the city sometimes two hours, sometimes eight hours, like enough to just make enough money to go back on the train and come back the next day. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting used to hearing those thoughts and still going, just putting one foot in front of the other anyway. So I start battling. And when I do my battle, you know, like everybody beforehand would be like, Kayla, like if I didn't make it into my, like, uh, I tried out for a few battles before essentially. Right. And people would be like, Kayla, uh, you know, like, it's a good thing that you didn't make it into the battle. Like it was like a backhanded compliment, but like no, backhand support. Like, yeah, no, right. Kayla, it's a good thing because like, you know, like if you got into the battle, you would go up against a guy who could beatbox really fast. And like, no, it's like not your fault. Like it's just physically impossible. Like a girl can never go like. <laughs> like, it's not your fault, Kayla. Yeah. I think it's because like you have like. Clearly groups. they can't do that. Yeah, Clearly, it's because you yeah. have breasts. That's why, yeah. right? Or they would be like, <laughs> Kayla, um, you can't be. It's like, it's okay that you didn't get in because you would go up against a guy who would do like the low notes. And like, it's just physically impossible. Like girls could never, ever do the bass stuff. Like you can never be like. <laughs> like Kayla, it's I think it's because you have a period or it's like something with the moon or like the ocean oh, tides. No. Like when the tide comes in, you can't do low <laughs> notes, right? Like just really ridiculous stuff. So. My first battle when I actually got in and beat that guy, I became the first girl to beat a guy in a national competition. And then right when that moment happened, then people didn't they didn't like what I was doing anymore. It felt like everything switched after that. So the first couple of years of my career was like I was not getting support. I was just getting very unfairly treated within my own community. And uh, there was definitely times also in the city. I moved into the city a little too early where I couldn't like afford to live in the city. <laughs> I would be like selling everything I had. Like if I had a family heirloom 
in my family for like millennia, I'd be like, 12 cents sold to the highest bidder. Oh, like, no. Trying to street perform like every day, you know, just like really trying to make ends meet. And if I did not have that mentality of like, don't let plan A fail, I think it was that moment kind of back in like 2013 like 14 whatever area I don't know 2012 that time period where like if I didn't have that and get that put in my head I think that's when I would have just pulled the ripcord and been like you know I don't really want to be like a DOE like in school teacher but it can't be as hard as this because I don't really feel happy right now and I wasn't necessarily like seeing the end of the tunnel yeah. um but when I came back I instead of being like I give up I just been like all right how do I plan a is not working right now like I don't feel good so what's my plan a point two was my plan 8.5.6 like how do i still stay on the same path but just change this up in a way um that will bring me to where i want to be and genuinely like make me feel happy and feel a sense of more belonging um within my community and myself kayla <laughs> what what a journey what what a journey thank you for taking us on the ride <laughs> I love it because you went from at 11 years old, bombing an audition, like, a, I mean, just a, a thorough bomb. Well done. Well done. Crash and burn. Thanks. To now and before, before the world shut down, you're performing on Broadway with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Right. Doing beatboxing and improv comedy. Like Doing what I told my family yes. and they wanted to send me to a, a nunnery. Yes. Um, and I got to do it on Broadway. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, and I mean, <laughs> it is outrageous to watch the way you truly created your own lane, right? I mean, beatboxing's obviously been around for, for quite some time, but it is, uh, I think YouTube has probably helped beatboxing a lot. I would assume oh, yeah, as far definitely. as right in a major way and in a I mean, major way, in a major way, but yeah, but you, <laughs> but you, you started beatboxing when you were like, you said like 11 or 12 or something like that with boots and cats and you're yeah. out here. Boots and cats and boots, right. And so I'm like, that's great. <laughs> but what, I mean, what was it about beatboxing that was like, Oh, it's not my voice. But I'm like, I guess I'm just curious, like why, why beatboxing at that moment? It was still you having to do something. It was still you using your voice technically, but yeah. What was it that made it just feel a little bit easier? Um, I just felt like it was like a mask. And I feel okay. like also when I did it back in the day, it was like a party trick, right? Like I did it at the lunch table or I did it at the back of the bus or the parties and people would like rap over it, you know? So, yeah. um, and also just like, I've always loved music my whole life. Like music was a way for me to express myself when I couldn't say what was going on. Mm. Um, I started playing guitar and like drums and pianos. And I was really lucky to have a family that like, um, you know, like my mom came home from a garage sale one day with just like these Frankenstein drum sets. Like it wasn't in good, the good shape at all. And they sounded like trash cans. But when I was like, mom, I, I really want to play the drums. You know, like my single mom would go out and like figure out a way to make it work. Um, so That's I've awesome. always felt like also when I was a kid, you know, my, my upbringing was like kind of a dark one. My dad struggles and still struggles with like alcoholism. And my parents went through this very heavy divorce and it was a lot of, um, just like very heavy murkiness in the house and lots yeah. of fighting. So I didn't have the skills at that time to communicate and say what I wanted to say and also understand what I was going through. So music was my way of going through that and expressing that. And my improv class 
was incredible. It was like therapy for, for me because there would be days where like, you know, it was improv and also drama. So like one time a quarter you had to do a monologue and, mm -hmm. you know, people would go online and do like, uh, you know, um, sunshine of the spotless mind or something monologue. Right. Yeah. I would write my own monologue and would just say that it was from this obscure movie. But I, then my monologue was me just being like, I don't know what to do anymore. And my, my family, and I would just be telling people what I was actually struggling with. Like yeah. when I was in school, I was the biggest class clown ever. Mm -hmm. um, but on the inside, I was so sad and so miserable and depressed and dealing with so many like anxieties. But I would come in and be like, finger guns, pew, 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 pew. What's up, party people? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yo, what's up? <laughs> so like, I literally like the arts and being a part of music, I really think saved me from not just like, completely losing it um and it also kind of gave me that outlet that you know i could put on this persona if i wanted to but still have a place where i could share with people what was going on they mm -hmm. just didn't know that it was what was really going on they thought that it was a a monologue from this movie that i created and made it look like that's what it was from so also for me like that's why teaching beatboxing and teaching arts is so important right like it's a real shame that in our country you know when there's budget cuts the first thing that gets out of every single school when the budget cuts comes is their arts and music enrichment classes, right? Yep. And yes. of course, STEM is so important. We need to know math. We need to know history. We need to know science. But also, we need to give a place in schools where kids can express themselves, where they can be themselves, right? Because, like, even if you're in your most, like, first day of art class ever in your whole entire life, we're in preschool, right? Me and you, James, we're in preschool, and the first day of art class, our only mission of the day is your art teacher says, okay, kids, this is what we're going to do today, all right? You have a big piece of white paper in front of you, and you have a whole crayon box right in front of you. All I want you to do is pick out your favorite color, all right, and just color that paper. Just make it your favorite color, the whole thing, all right? Don't leave any spots. So me and you, um, I pick up blue. I just, like, furiously put, like putting this color in. Yours is red. You put it in, right? And the moment where we have to flip that piece of paper around and everyone sees the colors in a room, it's the first time we're like, mine is blue, yours is red, uh, Tyrese is purple, right? Janice's is pink. And we start to look at each other and it's the first time we realize like, oh my God, we have different opinions. <gasps> we like different things. We all have different uh, things that we believe in or things that we like, and that's okay. You're allowed to want to like a different color than me. I'm allowed to like a different color than you. We don't have a debate in the middle of the art class. No, pink is a... <laughs> It's red, it's blue, right? It's just like, wow, no, this is great. We all are different people. And in music and in these art classes in school, that's when instead of being asked questions about things that you have to memorize, that's when we start getting questions asked about ourselves, right? Mm. What is your favorite color? What kind of music do you want to make right now? Okay, we're learning about rock and roll history, but you write your own rock song, right? Like now it's about you. And I think that we need more moments like that for children to be able to express themselves, to learn about themselves, mm -hmm. learn about the things that they like, and then learn how to work in a classroom together with people that want to write different things, believe in different things, or going through different experiences. Um, so for me, the real, like at the heart of the heart of the heart of why I love teaching beatboxing um, came from me being like a teaching artist in New York City, right? And it's funny because it's not like I, I, when I was choosing to go to school to be a teacher and like the DOE kind of college route, it's not mm -hmm. that I didn't want to teach kids. I come from a huge Irish family. I was like everyone's babysitter. I just realized like that wasn't, I realized I kind of wanted like the more like just like mentorish role. I wouldn't even say like a mentor because that feels very egotistical, but just like not grading, like just express yourself. That's what yeah. I want you to do at the end of the day. 
So when you go to a lot of schools in New York City, there was kids where I would work with them after school and it was like 30 kids. And that was 30 kids out of 500 kids. And only those 30 kids got musical enrichment. So beatboxing, I felt like I was like, how do we solve this issue? All right. Well, if the budget is cut and you have zero dollars for your music class and you can't afford 25 trumpets or 25 drum sets or anything like this. Well, guess what? If you teach a kid to go, that's one trumpet right there. You teach a kid to go, boom, we got a drum set. Now there's 25 kids in a class. There's 25 trumpets, 25 drums, 25 bass guitars, 25 singers. It's something that's completely free. And you could still give these kids the musical enrichment that they want or need. Um, you could still ask them what type of music they want to make. They could still make their own beats, um, but it doesn't cost the school any money at all. And that to me is like, it's, it's a really powerful and amazing thing. And I feel like for right now, it's like a great solution that we can give to these schools or to these kids uh, that might not otherwise get these enrichment classes. Same thing with improv, right? Improv comedy or like Absolutely. just improv in, in general. You know, one of the coolest things about doing Freestyle Love Supreme on Broadway or any of the shows with North Coast, you know, all these other Broadway shows have like costume, crazy costume changes and lights and Spider-Man and King <laughs> Kong, you know, inflatable machine. And here's Freestyle Love Supreme where all we have on stage is six people, you know, four chairs and two piano players. But it's not like people in the audience didn't see the Empire State Building. They saw the hat. They saw the grilled cheese sandwich yeah. in our hands. And it cost nothing. So really, I, I love beatboxing. I love art forms in which you really don't need anything. Because in life, we don't. We, we need ourselves, right? You could buy all the books in the world. All these. I feel like a lot of things in education are now are like, buy this book. Take this course, go to this place, right? But I could buy a million books if I'm not if I don't have the discipline or the desire to read the book. It just starts stacking up in in my corner of my room, in the, right? In the shame corner. Yeah. In the shame <laughs> corner, where you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to it. Yeah, yeah. I read ten pages of that, twenty pages of that. Um, so these things like beatboxing and improv, they teach us about ourselves, and they teach yeah, like teach us individual us about ourselves. You know, every time I battled, um, I'm really grateful for my battling days. There are moments where I look back on battles and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm cringing. I'm dying on the inside. Right. But through me beatbox battling, really what I learned from that is what do I do when I'm under pressure? How do I react when I feel like I'm losing? Um, when things aren't when I'm when I feel like vulnerable or I feel like I'm being disrespected, how how am I reacting in this moment? Right. Yeah. And a lot of that that I learned um, was being in a battle and being like, oh, my God, I, when I get really insecure and this is how I act. I start to showboat and I start to get really cocky, even though it's because I'm nervous. But like, that's how I'm like pretending to be on stage right now. Like, oh, sure. I don't really like that. That's who you were in the lunchroom also. Right. Let me get louder. Let me get right. Let me make all the noises. Right. Same thing when you were uncomfortable and nervous. That's so funny. It came yeah. out again as an adult in those battles. Yeah. And I got to look back at each of those battles and you like watch the video and now it's like, oh, I hate watching them. But I learned so much about myself, not even as a beatboxer, but just as a person in that moment. Kind of the same thing in like the improv space, right? Yeah. Like how you walk into these scenes is like this, this side of yourself that you can only see when you put yourself out there and try these things that, um, you know, put you under maybe a little pressure and make you feel nervous or it's just you. You can't hide behind anything. You know, I love playing my instruments. I have right now in this whole room around me is a drum set, a sitar, a keyboard, a ukulele, two guitars, <laughs> like loop stations and all this stuff. But the coolest thing is when we do art forms like improv or beatboxing or singing or things that are just more vocal is that it's just you. And 
you can't really hide behind anything. You have to just show yourself. And that's why when I started doing beat rhyming, it was so scary for me because I was like, I don't know what I want to say. What, what is my message? What do I have to start saying things to people? Like what, what do I even want to talk about? What do I want to say? How do I want to put this out there in the world? Um, and that's a lot scarier than just going like, right? Like that to me was easier. Maybe not for everybody, but that's what made me super, super scared when I was yeah. growing up. It's so funny. The things that we do that would make somebody else super nervous, but makes us feel comfortable. Right. I tell this story uh, about whenever, whenever I was trying to date, I would never just go up and talk to somebody. I would be like, well, I could go talk to them. They're right there. But should probably sing this karaoke song first because I'm gonna crush this you two with or without you real quick. And they're surely after I'm done with the song, I don't even need to approach them. They're just going to be at the stage holding my favorite drink being like, Hey, big boy. So what you're singing. Right? But like you tell other people, or it's like, I was nervous. So I sang this karaoke song and they're like, what? That is the opposite of what I would do. But <laughs> yeah. for me, that, that was my comfort zone was being on that stage, right? Some people jump out of planes. Some people lay in piles of snakes. Other people get on stage and perform. And it is <laughs> right. It's so funny. The, the things that make us comfortable that other people are like, what is actually wrong with you? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you see this, you, you've done some stuff in front of adults and you've, right. We did this, you know, when we, when North coast headland the, the improv festival in Amsterdam. And then we, right before that we were teaching classes in London. Right. And, and we went to, we did a gig for Accenture. Right. And we, here we were making these grown ass humans in suits <laughs> and ties, yeah. corporate folks beatbox. Right. <laughs> and the looks on their face was so, it was a mixed bag of petrified and like, what is actually happening right now? <laughs> and we could be making millions. What are we doing? Yeah. Right. Like, like you're, you're, you're making me miss the sale. And right. And, uh, and, <laughs> and to watch the way, the various personalities showed up. It was always so interesting to watch the buy-in that you would get from telling somebody just to look on their face of like, okay, everybody, we're going to beatbox today. Boom. What's the, what's the, what's the reaction people get and ashamed. Yes. I think that's the thing too. Like this is kind of the whole thing behind my like 30 before 30 of doing things that scare me is like, as we get older, we start to want to be more comfortable and we, you know, it's, it's very interesting to me. Like when I tell people like, we're going to beatbox today, people felt the way I feel like, especially in a work environment or a corporate environment like that, where they're like, no, no, I, I cannot let people see me as this person, like playing and having fun. I have to be serious all the time. My image will be ruined if I make a sound, you know? And it's like, no, we need to keep, we need to keep that play in our life. That's the only way that we're going to keep learning and growing. You know, we have to, yeah. also, we should be able to trust our teammates. That's why improv is so important too, right? Like there is no failing if your teammates have your back, you know, and, and you, and anything can be justified and your team is going to support you. Like that is a huge thing in improv, right? Before you go on a show, I got your back, got your back. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, I got you. Right. And we are allowed to just be ourselves and express. And we know that nobody's going to judge us on our team. If anything, they're going to try to make it work and always support us. And yes, and that situation. So also in a work environment, it's like, we should be able to bring all of our ideas to the table with the people that we work with. We need to trust those people. And yes, I'm going to make you beatbox today. So your teammates <laughs> see a different, yeah, so your teammates <laughs> see a different side of you, you know? Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you know, I've drank this Kool Aid a because I like beatboxing and freestyle rapping and and singing in front of people, but also, you know, I teach vulnerability, right? And so, what a way! Like, we have to put ourselves out there, and we just have to we have to take risks sometimes in order in order to grow a team, right? The best teams are not built over email, and so, yeah, I I love the way that you spoke of that, and I love that you brought up play. I love that you brought up play, Kayla, because you know what? Here on Diner Talks with James, Kayla, we have a little bit of a segment, and I think we need to jump into it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kayla, we're going to do this segment right now. It is called Things You Didn't Know About Me Before But Are Now Grateful That You Did. Kayla, you should know two things about this segment. One, uh, the, the name changes every single time. Two is that the premise never changes, Great. but uh, but it's the same idea. You and I are going to bounce back and forth. Just some super random quick facts about ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, and just to break it back up. And then when we come back in, I want to I want to talk to you about how you're using beatboxing to uh, to teach others in some pretty fascinating ways. So yeah, uh, I love wonderful. Watch wonderful. your mouth. I love it. I'm so excited. Let's go. <laughs> Kayla, I'll go first because it's rude for me to just spring this on you and then make me go and then make you go first. So here we go. My first job ever, you know, we're talking about Long Island. My first job ever was I was the guy that everybody aimed at on the driving range. I drove the metal cage around and picked up all the golf balls. And, and yeah, and I, I would park all the carts at this golf course, the West Sable golf course. Um, I, would, I would park all the carts at night. But that was my very first job was driving that around and picking up all the range balls and That's cleaning incredible. them. That's incredible. Tenacity. <laughs> it, it made you who you are today. Tenacity. Uh, That's where, I mean, it's interesting. That is where I fell in love with hip hop because I would have my, my 10 second, an- this? Yeah. <laughs> my 10, <laughs> my 10 second anti-shock yellow Panasonic disc man <laughs> on the side of the rumbly golf cart. You know, you had to get that anti-shock otherwise it wouldn't make it. Um, and, and I would listen to, uh, Jay-Z's uh, my, volume one in my lifetime. I would listen to like all these, uh, that's where I started to fall in love with hip hop. And that's where I started just kind of even just like rapping a little bit to myself. And, and yeah, I don't know that, that I, I credit that metal cage with, uh, <laughs> with my growth and education in hip hop and all the hours I spent in there. You would just freestyle <laughs> to all the sounds of the balls. Like, yeah, I got yeah. the, Oh snap. <laughs> That was really close to me. <laughs> Every ball hitting you became the metronome. That's exactly. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. About me. Um, so I guess something about me, uh, my family, I have like a huge Irish family. I got like eight and nine aunts and uncles on both sides. And on just like one side of my family, I got like 40 to 50, like, like almost 50 first cousins. So, um, I like family parties, it's literally like a (laughs) festival. We have this thing now. We started this thing where it's called Milady Palooza, where it's just a competition between all the Miladies. And literally it's like 150 people will be there. And it's all just like people of your family. And, uh, we have this joke. (laughs) There's like a really fun joke in our family. Whenever somebody brings over like a new boyfriend or something, and you come to Christmas and you literally walk into this party of 200 people. And then we're like, hey, what's my name by the end of the night? And of course, <laughs> nobody knows anybody's name. Um, but yeah, I think like that. Yes, Aaron and Brian probably get a good amount of them. But we got good, one. Good we got, Irish we got Catholic one. names. Brian was good. We're at the point in my family where even though I have two first cousins, they have the same first name because we just ran out of names. So when, my uncle was like Brendan. And then my other uncle was like Brendan. So I have two first cousins with the same name. Um, it's at that point. But yeah, but I think and talking about how it made me who I am, I mean, that's where I got the love of like 
being with people and playing games and like becoming a teacher. And I realized like, oh, it's about like interaction, not tests. Like I was the babysitter that I was like, we're going on a mission. Let's go. We're all scientists. <laughs> um, and again, like kind of improv training uh, with all my cousins going on these missions. But actually, but actually. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, that is a huge, uh, a huge family for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I love that. I love that. So, so speaking of family, I'll share a random fact about mine is uh, my family every uh, Thursday night, every when I was growing up every Thursday night, we mom rob a lot of spaghetti. Watch your mouth. Greatest thing you ever put in your mouth. Um, we mom rob a lot of spaghetti on Thursday night. Okay. You only got one meatball. All right. No more. One. Meatball. Mean? If you ever tried to get another meatball, if you went back for seconds, my mom would literally come after you with a fork. Like she oh, made geez. a certain amount of meatballs, a certain amount of sauce that would be, you know, you've, you've, you'd freeze it and mm -hmm. you'd put some away, right? It's supposed to last, right? When I'm sat here making meatballs every week. Yeah. And, uh, and so she was very particular about them. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, but then, so Thursdays would be, Thursdays would be uh, spaghetti night. Fridays, we had tuna fish sandwiches in front of the TV with potato chips. Saturdays, we had hot dogs and beans. Now, my dad, the, the only thing my dad would make the entire week were these beans, and he talked about it. He prided himself on them. He should. They're absolutely delicious. Yeah. Um, and then Sunday night, we would again have sauce. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays are crapshoots. But those four nights, you knew exactly what you're having. And I just, I don't know, that was always so random to me, but also lovely. That's great. And it makes you appreciate that meatball. Like oh, when yeah. we just gorge ourselves, then the meatballs have no meaning anymore. You know, you're yes. right. You can't just have mama robolata's meatballs when you want. You have to appreciate <laughs> this meatball. I think that's great. That's I, a wonderful thing. I remember, I remember when my brothers, my brothers are nine and 11 years older than me. And so uh, when they, when they brought by their now, uh, their now current wives um, to the house and like their families would come on, the parents would come over the meeting of the families and whatnot. Mama Robolata's dish that she would always drop on people is lasagna. Cause I mean, if you, didn't, if you didn't love us before the lasagna is going to get you. Oh and, my uh, gosh. But it was be amazing because they were, you know, we're out here trying to impress, right. Show love. And so you make mm -hmm. a feast. And so mom would just have this bowl of Ooh. like meatballs out on the table. And those were good nights because they couldn't yell at me in front of, every, of the new family. And so I was Ooh. like, I was a three meatball eater that night. That's hey. it. King. You got to bend the rules this. a little bit. You got to live a little, you know? How do you know? That's incredible. Um, Give us one more, Kayla. That reminds me, I guess a thing not many people know because it just happened, but, uh, you know, in freestyle, I love Supreme, everyone has nicknames. Jelly mm -hmm. D, Two Touch, Shockwave. Uh, right. And then I came in for to be a part of the team and it was like to touch Jelly D, um, you know, and Kayla. So they were like, <laughs> all right, we need to find a name. And one yeah. thing I have to say about me, my skill set, maybe I should work on it. I'll get a teacher just like my math teacher, but 30 for 30. not good. I'm not good at <laughs> naming things like I'm not good at like this is our brand name, you know, like yeah. the Academy of Noise, this thing like those did not come from me. I do not. I had a beatboxing name for like two weeks. It was a bird. Not good. <laughs> People literally kept on asking me, why is your name a bird? And I was like, I'm not doing it anyway. I know it's Kayla. I'm going back to it. <laughs> so they're sitting with me and they're like, all right, we need to come up with a nickname. What do you want to be? And I was literally just like, <sighs> like, I do not know what to do. Right. So they start asking me these questions. Right. And they're like, uh, what is like, uh, talk to me about like food you like. And of course, what do you think I talked about? A freaking bacon, egg and cheese. Cause I love it. Of course. But of course. when I was younger, my grandma, oh my God, she made the best food. She had just one cast iron skillet that everything got cooked in. Right. Yeah. So Sunday morning breakfast, weekend breakfast were like the greatest thing ever. And then I went through like a make your own bacon, egg and cheese phase with my grandma. But mm -hmm. 
let me tell you something. I did a little different, okay? A little different here. A little different on me. When I was, Lean if in. you were to, you know, ready? <laughs> hey, if you would have asked me what I was going to be when I was 10 years old, I was going to own my own delicatessen, okay? Mm-hmm, sure. And it was going to be called Hole in One. You want to um, know why? <laughs> you want to know why? It's because of why. our, it's our signature sandwich that is a bacon, egg, and cheese, but it doesn't, we don't cut it in half because what happens? I like us, I like a, like a, like a, you know, like a over medium. I like the yolk little in my run, sandwich. Run. When you got the run and it's the two pieces, it just drips out everywhere. You mm. know what I invented 10 years old? Don't take this. Nobody take this. I'll find you. I'll find you. <laughs> you take the, the roll, the Kaiser roll. Okay. You cut just a little hole in it. Then you kind of like push the sides in, right? Like yeah. kind of push in the insides. Okay. So it's like this, um, like imagine like a jelly donut, but there's yeah. nothing in it. Then you put the bacon strips in there. You put the eggs. I'm talking about like I had sunny side up eggs in here. You bite it. It pops. It becomes a bread bowl. It becomes a gusher for your bacon, <laughs> egg and cheese. Right. So as I'm telling um, the story to Anthony uh, Veninciali, he's like, what was what kind of what kind of bacon, egg and cheese was it? I was like, oh, it was like a, on a Kaiser roll. He's like, that's your name. Kaiser Rose. And I was like. What? And he's like, Kaiser Rose. That's your name. Everybody. We're calling her Kaiser Rose from now on. So it was because of <laughs> my bacon, egg and cheese hole in one idea, which honestly, I made one like I haven't had one in years. And then like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, I need something that will comfort me. And I yeah. made one. You should try it. Just go for it. Oh, I would eat the Pop a little hole. Boom. It's a yolky bread bowl of a bacon, egg and cheese. Yeah. No, I'm 100% selling. I'm 100% telling Tina about this. She, uh, I mean, sometimes... Uh, sometimes I'll just send her runny egg videos uh, if I'm trying to get the night going, you know what I mean? And uh, (laughs) it's just, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. See, that's Uh, an extra one. That's a thing I'm sure people didn't know. And now they know it. That's a fun Kaiser Rose in the building y'all. Kayla, you mentioned Academy of Noise. Now, a a number of years ago, you were doing some research with NYU where you were helping uh, kids with speech impediments using beatboxing, correct? Correct. Correct. What's the science there? How how do do those connect? How did someone be like, oh, you stutter? You should try beatboxing. Oh, you have this? You should try beatboxing. Like where is that something that that you were kind of brought in uh, to NYU? Was that somewhere you presented it to NYU or like how, how did that go down? Yeah. So again, I came from just like knowing by doing. So I talked about all my cousins and I babysat them all the time. So one of my cousins, he had a speech therapist that came over all the time and he had apraxia. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, you know, what kid after going to school for six hours wants to come back to their house and do another like two hours of work. And right. his, his brother and his sister didn't have to do it. So there would be times where like they, she would come over and he just wouldn't want to do work or he would run away or just like not talk to her the whole time. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I felt like as the babysitter, I kind of had like a responsibility. Like, I have to make this kid sit through this. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and I always beatbox my whole life. And my cousin loved it. And he would try to beatbox with me or would always want me to do it. So yeah. we would start. It's actually like it's just so crazy with like the whole beat rhyming stuff, because I realized I was doing like beat rhyming before I knew what it was. Um, mm-hmm. We would hold up his cue cards. And let's say the cue card that his teacher held up said baseball. Instead of just saying baseball, we would beatbox it. We go baseball baseball bat baseball baseball bats right we would turn it into maybe mm-hmm. not the cook at that time but right we would turn it into a beat <laughs> built and we would, it. yeah we built it. <laughs> and we would try to beatbox all the words and then when we realized what was happening was you know he wasn't going and doing like flashcards, but he started beatboxing all the time yeah. so the whole like 
thing that I really love and what I'm proud of the Academy of Noise is like everything we do is like sneaking vegetables into a fruit smoothie. The idea is that it's just so much fun and you're having such a good time playing with it. You don't even really realize how much you're getting out of it. It just tastes like a pineapple mango sorbet. Right. But really, there's like kale and spinach and a lot of protein and great stuff in it. So I saw my cousin started to do that. And then. Um, as I started to become a teaching artist in New York City, and then I met Kid, and Kid is now teaching me beat rhyming. And one thing with uh, the way that like Kid and some other people beat rhymed, it was more like, boom, can you be boom, boom, everything boom, that you want to be? Boom, boom, come and see. So it was kind of like, boom, there's are the words, boom, yeah. then the words, boom, then the words, boom, yeah, yeah. then the That's words. That's how I beat rhyme, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> especially because I was battling, I was like, oh, I have to make this more. So I was like, how do I like take every single word and just beatbox the letters in the word, right? That's why people say boots and cats because boots and cats and boots and cats. Beatboxing is just talking, but you're articulating the letters of your speech, right? So I started to be like, when I beat rhyme, I don't want it to be any different. I want... If I'm now, if I battle and I beat rhyme, it's like I'm literally talking and beatboxing at the same time. The drums are happening at the same times as the words. So I started to practice that. And then I started working at this uh, incredible organization called Beat Global. And they have this program called Beat Rockers. And before I stepped in, Taylor McFerrin, um, who is Bobby McFerrin's son, yeah. uh, Chesney Snow, Adam Otto, these really amazing artists were coming in before. But their skill set was more like Taylor McFerrin was just making beats. He was going into Ableton and recording the kids and making beats with them right away. And I didn't have that skill set. And so when I came in, I was like, well, the class has to change because I can't do what they did before. But how can I just do what I did with it? So I went to uh, James Kim, who, uh, you know, founded the company. And I was like, hey, I don't do that. But what I do is beat rhyming. And what I can do, it actually helps with like speech therapy. And that's what I've seen with my cousin and stuff. And he's like, that's crazy. That's what we've been trying to do here. And we've been trying to figure out a way to make it happen. So I start looping the kids. We do a lot of loop station stuff. And then we start seeing that like, it's really, really working in our classroom. But the problem was, um, as I started to be like, oh, we want to make this um, expand. We want more people to have this opportunity. Um, Everybody did not want to do it. And especially because um, the term beatboxing is connected to hip hop and like the black community. I really found that academic organizations just immediately when they heard that they were like, Nope, we don't want it. No, this doesn't sound good. And I even did a test one time where like, I was like, okay, let's just see vocal percussion. And they were like, maybe we'll see this. And I was like, nah, no, no, no. It's beatboxing. That's what it is. Right. So it was a really big struggle to get people to even like, like wanting to see what we're doing. Right. But again, I had that goes back to that plan A, don't let plan A fail. My first thing was just like, I'm going to email, cold email any speech therapist, professor, teacher in and around New York City. I sent like hundreds of emails, right? And I got hundreds of no replies. And so instead (laughs) of being like, wow, this program sucks, I was like, all right, how do I change it? How do we change what we're saying? How do we put a picture? Do we put a video? How do we do this, right? And finally, we got one woman from NYU to come in. And she was there on a day that like, a huge breakthrough happened because mm. I had a student that was like the sickest beatboxer, like absolutely incredible. You could have put him in a cipher in New York city and nobody would know. Um, this school was also like um, um, students with different abilities and visual mm. impairments. Right. But if you put him in a cipher, no one would ever know. Like he was like <laughs> killing it. But when he talked, it was very, very hard to understand what he was saying. So one day we we're sitting there and I was like, Remy, or I was like, Ray, you ever hear, uh, you notice that when you beatbox, it's like so clear, right? And he was like, uh-huh. And I was like, and when you talk, it's kind of hard for people to understand you sometimes, right? And he was like, 
Yeah. And I was like, now imagine that just like when you're beatboxing, if you talk like your beatbox, it would be super strong and powerful. Right. And he literally went, oh, and then it was a moment where like we weren't sneaking the vegetables anymore. He like realized why we were there. And from that right. day on, he would come in like, goodbye, Miss Kayla. And that year he was super shy. It was kind of hard to get him to like take the mic. Yeah, we do that for the rest of the year. He comes back the next summer and he would literally be like, I'm on fire. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we started doing more research with NYU. Um, and we even uh, right before the the lockdown happened, we were also just studying the voices of beatboxers. Right. Because we also wanted to make sure like these <laughs> like beatboxing is still a very new art form to put it yeah. into perspective. Like there are no retired beatboxers yet. And the things that like Rozelle and Dougie Fresh were doing is really different than what beatboxers are doing now. And mm -hmm. we want to make sure that like these inward bases and this <laughs> that you're not going to get nodes when you're 18. And before you even get to have a career beatboxing, you've already blown your vocal cords out. So we went into NYU, their uh, Langone Vocal Health Center, and we did got everybody uh, endoscopies where you stick the camera down your throat. And yeah. Robo, it was like the predator in there. It is pretty disgusting. It's like <laughs> this alien looking thing in your throat. Um, so yeah, we've been doing a lot of research with beatboxing because it, you know, beatboxing is still so new. We don't have that research behind it. And, you know, the thing in the academic space is always like, well, you have to prove it. Like, oh, yep. you think that this helps kids with their speech goals? Prove it. Prove oh, you it. it helps with expression? Prove it. Um, which is a scary and difficult thing. But we've been seeing really wonderful results. And at the end of the day, it's just really fun. We're not saying that this is like going to replace speech therapy at all. No, it's just a tool that speech therapists can use to get their mm -hmm. uh, students more excited. And also, you know, if they're working on a certain type of uh, articulation or, you know, they're working on their fricatives or some sort of placement in their mouth, um, you know, instead of just having to redo the, the the cue cards over and over and over again, it's like, you're the maraca. Would you rather do cue cards or would you rather be a maraca in a band? Like, what do you want to do, right? And yeah. the goal is that when they go home, there are so many YouTube videos of people beatboxing. There's communities where they can come and be a part of communities of people and practice these speech goals. And one of the coolest things is like, you know, we're, we're going to students that first we're saying like, you're different. There's something that you are not at the right ability yet. So we need to keep practicing this. Right. And we're making them feel like a little bit of other with their speech goals, but then we're giving them a superpower like, Oh, okay. Maybe you, you can't do that, but now you can go and beatbox for all your friends in class and you could do stuff that other people can't even do. Now you're over articulating, you're making sounds that maybe you've never even thought that you could make before. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, it's just fun. The whole thing of the Academy of Noise is to make it fun because I believe that that's how we really create a growth mindset. And that's how we create lifelong learners. Learning shouldn't be this like tedious, drawn out thing. We should have fun becoming educated and growing as people. So that's always yeah. the goal of what we do. That's, that's just so badass. And right, there's yeah. <laughs> there's always another way to get to learning. Right? There's always another way to hit a goal. And I love it that you just, you just applied it. Right. It's so it's, it's incredible that you applied something that you love and you're like, Oh wait, this could also be something here. And you took it to this amazing, cool level. And yeah, the, the videos of your endoscopies are, were disgusting, but, <laughs> but also fascinating, right? <laughs> also fascinating and, and <laughs> oddly private. I was like, why am I watching this? I know. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but still. videos all over again, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is, outrageous 
to see the work that you all are doing. Can can people get involved in the Academy of Noise? Is that something that they can get involved in? If so, what, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we have programs for people of all different ages. Um, we have like a kid show for kids from like two to five year olds. We work with people with, uh, you know, different speech abilities, um, people with different mental abilities or, you know, physical abilities. Um, and also just adults or anybody who wants to learn how to beatbox. So if there's anybody who wants to learn how to beatbox more, um, explore your voice in a new way, especially if that's something that makes you really nervous, like it did me, I really recommend go after it. It's very fun. And uh, you can find more information at the Academy of Noise and you can really see our programs and kind of sign up for some classes that we're doing. I love it. I love it. I remember when when we were starting North Coast and we were the only uh, improv team in New York City that incorporated freestyle rapping into long form improv. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember, uh, you know, we found one beatboxer, Gray Matter joined us and another guy, Sean Fisher joined us, but it was just like, you know, if anything happens to these people, I don't even know what what we do next, but then to find out and discover this whole beatboxing community, uh, right. There was literally a place called the beatbox house where all y'all lived together. And it was, it was such an incredible movement, that moment, I should say, and movement, but it was such an incredible moment to be like, hell yeah, this art form is, is, is finding each other. Right. And yeah. it's coming together and it's so special to watch what you all have beatboxers have done, especially you and Mark and the levels that you have taken it. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. Shout out to y'all. I can't thank you enough, Kayla, for, for joining me in the diner, for dropping some sweet ass beats and, and yeah, and just, and just, and just telling us your story. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Kayla. Well, I love you, man. Always love hanging out with you. I can't wait till we can just eat a chocolate chip pancake in person and really just keep talking about bagels and bacon, egg and cheese sandwiches. What we actually want to talk about. Really? I, you know, <laughs> we talked about the other stuff for the people, but if it was me and you, we would, this would have been two hours of schmear. Straight schmear. Yeah, well, for sure. We didn't even get into flavored cream cheeses. Yeah. Another, uh, but- another podcast. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, seriously, love you so much, man. Thank you. And, and as much as you are proud of me and what I've done, seeing your growth and what you're doing now has been absolutely incredible because it really is so authentically you and you are sharing and you are helping so many people along the way by just being your authentic self and it's just such a pleasure and I just have such I feel like a proud dad um, when I see you (laughs) and Tina doing incredible things so uh, so much love for you both thank you thank you I I cherish the time that our paths will cross I think it'll happen sooner rather than later Uh, and yeah I can't thank you enough Kayla for what you do and the gift that you give everyone Uh, much love y'all much love my friends, that was Kayla Milady on the podcast, Diner Talks with James. Thank you so much for tuning in. It was so special to have you. I can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Remember, new episodes drop every single Thursday. If you have a friend that you think would like this, let them know about it. Friends, let's spread the joy. Let us spread the joy. As Kayla mentioned, we'll bring over another table and we'll get more seats here at the diner. So special hanging out with you. And until we get to do it again, my friends, Keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.